Welcome to the Holmesville Church of the Brethren. This is the worship service for February 18th, 2024. It is the first Sunday in Lent. Join in our call to worship. Come in. Feel your feet on the floor. Settle your worries. Take a deep breath. Dust the cobwebs from your ears. Relax the tension in your jaw. For Christ is here. God never stops seeking us. We have been found. Let us find God in return. Let us worship the God of deep waters. Amen. Loving God, you call us by name. You join us in the deep waters of life. You invite us to drop our nets and follow you. Turn our hearts, our minds, and our spirits toward you, for you are the Lord our God, and it is in your name that we pray. Amen.
Today is by Kate Bowler. It comes from her new book, Have a Beautiful, Terrible Day. Dear God, I am going to put them down. Every insecurity and ugly belief I have about my body, my abilities, my personality. They won't teach me anything, at least not now. Let me accept your love like a compliment. Oh, thanks, that's so kind of you. You shouldn't have. Let me accept other people's love like a wrapped present. For me, that's so thoughtful. It's exactly what I wanted. Lord, I've spent so much time imagining my worst qualities that it's difficult to imagine that you numbered the hairs on my head, painted my eyes this color, and soften at the sound of my voice. You are not the bathroom scale or a work evaluation. You are not every ex-partner or ex-friend. You know the best of me. You are my cheerleader and champion, my memory keeper and favorite friend. Flood me with love, 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 because of who I am, who I've become, and who you made me. The world is loud, God. Only you can convince me of how embarrassingly lovable I can be. Quiet the shame and doubt and self-hatred. I'm ready to feel love again. Amen. This Lent, we are following a series called Wandering Heart, Figuring Out Faith with Peter. It is from A Sanctified Art. Let me read what the writers have said about the series. This Lent, we are focusing on the life and faith of one of Jesus' most famous disciples. In Peter, we see a person who is both steadfast and unsteady, a dear friend and a betrayer, a follower and a wanderer. In Peter, we often see ourselves. By following Peter's journey, we watch the story of Jesus unfold through the eyes of a very normal person, just trying to figure it all out, just like us. As we were studying Peter's faith journey, the lyrics of Come Thou Fount came to mind. It's as if Peter himself wrote this song, 
Like many of us, Peter has a wandering heart. His journey is not polished or linear or perfect, but he is always tethered to the love of God. In this series, we want to affirm that faith is a constant journey of steadfast pursuit, one that ebbs and flows. We want to affirm the ways Peter keeps going. He drops his nets. He walks on water. He runs to the empty tomb. He swims to the shore to meet the risen Christ. He keeps searching and yearning and loving, even after missteps or mistakes. Ultimately, in Peter's story, we are reminded that God loves imperfect people. In fact, time and time again, that's precisely who God claims and calls. This Lent, we will look for ourselves in the stepping stones of Peter's story. We will reflect on the stages of our own faith journeys as well as who and what has shaped us along the way. As we wander, let us tune our hearts to sing God's grace. May we rest in streams of mercy, never ceasing. Our scripture today is John 1, 35-42. The next day, John again was standing with two of his disciples, and as he watched Jesus walk by, he exclaimed, Look, here is the Lamb of God. The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. When Jesus turned and saw them following, he said to them, What are you looking for? They said to him, Rabbi, which translated means teacher, where are you staying? He said to them, Come and see. They came and saw where he was staying, and they remained with him that day. It was about four o'clock in the afternoon. One of the two who heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated anointed. He brought Simon to Jesus, who looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You are to be called Cephas, which is translated Peter. Jesus sought me. When my brother John and his wife Becky visited the Holy Land, they said there were lots of sites where the tour guide would say something like, this is the traditional site of the Sermon on the Mount, or this is the tomb where we believe Jesus to have been buried. When asked how they knew, the tourists got a lot of, well, this has been passed down through the ages as the place where this or that thing happened. But seriously, did anyone really mark Jesus's birthplace? Would anyone local outside of some illiterate shepherds even know Jesus was supposed to be somebody when he grew up? Most of us have a bit of trouble believing, after all these years, that people know exactly where important events in Jesus' life happened. Except for Peter's house. 
archaeologists and Bible scholars pretty much agree on the site of Simon Peter's house. It is right here, only about 30 yards from the synagogue in Capernaum, under the octagonal ruins of a later church. How do they know? Well, there is tradition, of course, but more telling is the fact that it is a sizable house with many additions. In the first century, it was the practice to have house church, regular meetings in somebody's home. Besides that, the early Christian practice was to support orphans, widows, and other needy people, often taking them into one's home. Peter's house would have been big enough to do that. Most of Jesus' ministry was located in and around Capernaum, Peter's hometown. According to our scripture, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, first introduced Jesus to Simon. And somehow Jesus knew Simon immediately. Jesus saw something in Simon that caused him to give Simon a new name on the spot. You are to be called Cephas. That is Aramaic for the Greek name Peter, which means the rock. Peter, the rock. Was Peter huge and muscular? Steady? Dependable? We might think so with a nickname like The Rock. But Peter, as we shall see, had a wandering heart, much like ours. Who was Peter? Well, Peter was a fisherman. Peter came from a family of fishermen. Peter probably inherited his boat from his father who had taught him the fishing trade. Most fishing was done by nets in those days, linen nets with lead weights tied onto them to make them sink in the waters of the lake. When the nets were drawn forward, they would fish with, fill with fish. The fishermen would pull up the nets, dump the fish in the boat, sort out the little ones and the ones that were inedible, and either sell them fresh or take them to a place that preserved fish by drying or salting. It was hard, hard work, not work that could be learned in a day. And there were nets to be cleaned and mended, a boat to maintain, and taxes to pay. If it was not illegal to work on the Sabbath, it might have been tempting to work seven days a week. But Peter and Andrew, his brother, spent their Sabbath days resting and attending to teaching in the synagogue, which was a stone's throw from their house. Peter was interested in spiritual things. So when this new teacher comes along, Peter is interested. Andrew is convinced that they have found the Messiah, so Peter is watchful. Jesus gives Peter that new name, the Rock. Peter is both flattered and challenged. When Jesus speaks of spiritual things, Peter is attentive. When Jesus heals Peter's mother-in-law of a fever, Peter is a witness. But when Jesus tries to tell Peter how to fish, that is something else again. Luke 5, 1-11 
Once when Jesus was standing beside the lake of Gennesaret and the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he saw two boats there at the shore of the lake. The fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little way from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we have worked all night long but have caught nothing. Yet if you say so, I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they caught so many fish that their nets were beginning to break, so they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For he and all who were with him were amazed at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. Then Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching people. When they had brought their boats to shore, they left everything and followed him. Did you catch it? That one little sentence that can be interpreted in a few different ways. Master, we have worked all night long but have caught nothing. Master, teacher, what do you know about fishing? Yes, you might know about building, about being a carpenter, And yes, you might know about spiritual things, the things of God, but seriously, what do you know about fishing? Did Peter say this with something of a sigh in his voice? Didn't Jesus just see them on the shore mending their nets, their empty nets? We have been out all night and caught nothing, but okay, Jesus. Still, since you say so, we will do as you say. So Peter bends his back to the task and rows out into the deep. He lets down his nets, not really expecting anything. After all, what can this itinerant preacher know about fishing? But suddenly, the nets are filled with so many fish that they are breaking. And there are so many fish, Peter's boat can't hold them all. So he calls over James and John with their boat, and both boats are filled with fish, and they even begin to sink. And at that moment, two things become clear to Simon Peter. One is that even though Jesus is not a fisherman, he doesn't need to be. Jesus is on another plane. There is more to Jesus than whatever box Peter has tried to put him in. Peter must readjust his understanding of who Jesus is. The other thing that becomes clear to Peter is that Jesus can be trusted Jesus can be trusted to have Peter's best interests at heart. 
Jesus can be trusted to know what others cannot know. Jesus can be trusted to provide what is needed in great abundance. He is able to do abundantly, exceedingly more than anything we can think or imagine. What Peter needed to do was obey, to put out into the deep water and throw in his nets one more time. And Peter becomes afraid. When Peter has to let Jesus out of that convenient little box, the one called spiritual teacher, he is afraid. Peter must now face that Jesus is not just master, rabbi, but that Jesus is Lord. And Peter is struck by the realization of who he himself is, an ordinary sinful man. But Jesus will not go away. Jesus knows Peter inside and out, and he is not put off by who Peter is. Do not be afraid, he says. Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching people. Jesus knew who Peter was and entrusted him with the ministry he had intended for him before the dawn of time. Brothers and sisters, Jesus directs us too into deeper water. And maybe we are afraid. In that depth we sense danger. But Jesus knows that in those depths is possibility, abundance, increased room for hope and trust. When Jesus tells us to strike out for deeper waters, he is not ignoring the fact that we have fished all night with nothing to show for it. Instead, he is saying, trust me, there is more for you out here. And I am going to show you that the way to meet your needs is to do what I say and to move to those deeper waters. As Jesus sought Peter, so Jesus seeks us. Maybe we are afraid, as Peter was. Perhaps we doubt, as Peter did. Perhaps we feel the water we are in already is deep enough. But maybe those deeper waters are holding abundance far beyond our imagining. Try dropping the nets again. And remember that Jesus isn't asking you to go it alone. Jesus wouldn't send you into those deep waters if he wasn't already in the boat with you. Amen. Let us pray. Loving God, you call us by name. You join us in the deep waters of life. You invite us to drop our nets and follow you. And yet, more often than we'd like to admit, we are like Peter. Over and over again, we stand slack-jawed and surprised to find you in our midst. Forgive us for drowning out your voice with our own. Forgive us for assuming that we can tackle deep waters by ourselves. Forgive us for forgetting that you will never stop climbing into our boat. 
Turn our hearts, our minds, and our spirits toward you. For you are the Lord our God, and it is in your name that we pray. Amen. Join in our affirmation of faith. I believe in a God of abundance, a God who sees possibilities where I cannot, and who holds on to hope when I am at the end of my rope. I believe in a God who comforts, a God who says, do not be afraid, a God who joins me in life's deep waters. I believe in a God who invites, a God who says, follow me and you will be fishers of people. I believe in a God who seeks after me relentlessly and persistently, a God of second chances and boundless mercy, a God who calls us by name. We believe. Help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.
receive the benediction. Beloved wanderer, as you leave this place, may you carry your curious heart on your sleeve. May you look for God in every face. May you find the courage to get out of the boat, to run to the tomb, and to speak of your faith. And when the world falls apart, may you hear God's voice deep within saying, Take heart, it is I. Be not afraid. You are called. You are blessed. In both your ups and your downs, you always belong to God. Go now in peace. Go trusting that good news. Amen.